Welcome everyone to another episode of The Working Experience. It's story time, or what we would like to call here at The Working Experience, shorts or shorties, where we discuss topics, uh, thoughts, very, very short, brief interludes into the working experience, narrated by either myself or Maddie Kay. Enjoy. The Working Experience. Route 93 North is almost at a standstill. It's a rough one out there this morning. Snow and sleep. There is no service on the... Stand clear of the closing doors, please. Uh, Yeah, folks, we're going to be a few minutes. We have train traffic ahead of us. We should be moving shortly. Y'all need that report ASAP. Where are we on that presentation? Man, HR wants to see you. Did you return that email yet? We have a team meeting at 10. To stay late, Bob. Teamwork makes the dream work. <laughs> They're moving in a different direction. And after the meeting, we'll have a breakout session. Who ate my Where are my hot pockets? This microwave is disgusting. Oh, God, what's that? He was no. living his Sexual toenails at his desk. <laughs> I can't take it Hey everybody, this is Maddie Kay with the Working Experience Podcast. Um, today is not so much a guided meditation, although we do still want to focus on our breathing. <clears throat> we don't want to get ourselves too stressed out. We don't want to pay too much attention to deadlines and emails I may or may not have returned or work I may or may not have done uh, you know it's uh the thing with deadlines is they're always going to be there you know if you just keep paying too much attention to them uh they're going to be on your mind all the time and they just stress you out you know it's like people being attached to their email 24 hours a day seven days a week you know at times you just have to detach from things and let nature take its course. Doesn't mean you have to go in and quit your job outright or, you know, not plan ahead for the day that you may want to quit your job. You do have to go with the flow. You do have to do certain things, but you don't need to stress yourself out about them, is the point. A lot of times, I find if I just kind of ignore things, they just tend to get done on their own. Or if I don't return an email, hey, the person tends to forget about it. Uh, So we always want to keep that in mind. This today, though, is uh, a little story I wanted to tell because uh, this is a true story. And I wanted to tell it because it'll put maybe certain things into context for you. Because sometimes we can get to uh, feeling badly about ourselves. Maybe we feel that we're not performing very well at our job, um, that maybe other people seem to have their act together and, and we don't. Certainly, I know I felt like that sometimes. I look at other people and I'm like, gee, you, you know, without seeming to put a whole lot of effort into it, you just, I don't know, have it together, and I'm always running around scrambling, which I shouldn't be doing. I shouldn't be stressing myself out. You know, we're getting into the new year, 2020. Um, but it, it does seem like, it can seem like, um, again, other people kind of have the secret to getting stuff done and being efficient and, you know, meeting their deadlines and all of that. And I, I kind of struggle with that. Um, 
but you never know what's going on in their head. You never know what's going on in their shoes. You know, you've not, not walked in their shoes. They may be looking at you thinking, wow, that person really has it together over there. They really seem to, you know, be calm, cool, collected. And they don't realize that inside, a lot of times we are uh, bundles of anxiety. And a lot of that is of our own making. So I want to tell this story because uh, you may have been reprimanded at work. I know I have over the years. You may have received a negative uh, performance appraisal or evaluation or something. I know I have in the in the past couple of years. That's happened to me, and I've been at my profession for a long time. And it's caused me a bit of sleepless nights, you know, until I was able to put things in perspective or at least get some distance on it. I tend to... I mean, I try not to overanalyze myself, but I know I tend to have a very strong reaction to things initially. Like, I, I get to feeling very anxious about it. If, for example, I get a negative performance evaluation and it gets me feeling really upset, angry, um, insecure about my job. And I know that's... Now I know that's my initial reaction. And I just have to give it some time and some thought reflect on it, maybe write some things down about it. You may have even been fired from a job, you know, let go, downsize, whatever it is. And it never feels good. You know, I don't think, no, I've been outright fired from a job. And um, I'm not going to say it wasn't totally earned. Uh, there were some other things going on in my life. And um, it was not easy to take, but I also had to learn some lessons from it. But it can make you feel less than, you know, it can make you feel like you're not important. You know, if a company downsizes and you get caught up in the downsizing and you get laid off and maybe another person you know keeps their job, that can, I mean, that would make me feel like, well, why did that other person keep their job and I didn't? You know, are they better at their job when maybe you know they're not? Uh, maybe they've just been there longer. Maybe they kiss the boss's ass better than you do. And maybe getting fired is sometimes a, a blessing in disguise or losing your job. You know, it might be the kick in the pants. A person needs to go out and do something. Start a business, you know, develop that app or move someplace else or, you know, make a big change in their life, whatever it is. Sometimes, I think many times, it's hard for us to take the initiative. And sometimes the, without trying to get too spiritual about it, the universe has to uh, give us a little tap or hit us with a sledgehammer or just kick us right out of the moving car to say, hey, look, you got to go do something else, you know? However, let me get back to my main point. Losing a job never feels good. It can hurt. However, I personally know somebody who was, get ready, fired from a volunteer job. Now, that probably sounds impossible, but I actually know this person. I know why she got fired from the volunteer job. I know the person who had to fire her from the job. He actually sent me the email that he sent to her and sent me her reply, which was pretty fantastic. Now, again, volunteers are not getting paid. 
the whole nature of volunteering is that you don't have to be there. Um, so to get fired from that type of, I can't even really call it a job, but for lack of a better term, uh, to get fired from a job where you don't get paid and you don't need to be there, that really, uh, that takes some work. That takes some effort. That takes some, uh, that takes a quality that most of us don't possess. Um, the, the background of this is that I was doing work for what's called Coalition for the Homeless. This is when I lived in New York City. And we would uh, meet at a church. I can't remember the name of the church, but it was on 51st Street and Lexington Avenue in Manhattan. So we would meet there. Uh, they had a little homeless kind of mission set up in the church basement. They would hand out sandwiches and things there, and, and people could stay there until the beds filled up. And then, in addition to that, they loaded up three vans. So we would meet at 7 o'clock at night. They would load up vans uh, from a soup kitchen. They were also affiliated with a soup kitchen. And they would load up... Uh, these big like gray cases with soup and sometimes they would have sandwiches they would have milk they would have fruit they would have bread bagels whatever and sometimes people would donate you know miscellaneous items um to hand out so one van went downtown as far as chinatown and then came back up one van went uptown into harlem and so forth and then another van went to the bronx so there was kind of a, a core group of us who would meet every Friday. We would um, do the, the van run. So we'd load up at 7 o'clock. We'd all kind of choose which vans we were going to go in. And then uh, the vans would be deposited at about 9 o'clock once the run was over at a park, a public parking place over on the west side of Manhattan. And then usually we would all, not all of us, but uh, again, a certain group of us, maybe four to six people would go out and have dinner. And it was always a good way to spend a Friday evening, you know, kind of enriching. Um, most of the, the people who came up to the van, uh, clients we called them, were very appreciative of what we were doing. Some weren't, you know, par for the course. Uh, most were homeless. Some were working poor. Some just needed a meal um, or a little something to get over a, you know, a hump or um, needed milk for their kids, things like that. So it was... Um, it was a, kind of a low-maintenance way of trying to do some good, being on the front lines, actually seeing homeless people, uh, sometimes hearing their stories, and um, it made you feel good. I'm not going to lie. You know, I, I did volunteer work to feel good about myself as well as to uh, help other people. You know, people would argue sometimes, well, it's not really curing anything or it's not going to end homelessness well yeah i know um i think as long as as long as you're honest about why you're doing it and again to feel good about yourself and to me there's nothing wrong with that and also realizing that not everybody's that appreciative you know it's it, life for a homeless person is very very tough and sometimes they are not feeling a lot of gratitude even for people who are coming out and trying to help um so anyway, I think everybody there, just about everybody there, 
and you would think this, you know, is is a good person. And, and they are out there doing stuff for the good of the community and to feel good about themselves. However, not everyone there is uh, really, I guess, a quote-unquote good person. Some people there are, I guess I'll use the term, narcissistic freaks. Like, they more want to uh, have an audience for their own woes. I had read somewhere that Ted Bundy, the serial killer, did volunteer work for a suicide prevention hotline. And this was a man who murdered over 30 women. So you can, apparently he was very good at what he did. Uh, this woman named Ann Rule wrote a book called The Stranger Beside Me. She did volunteer work along with Ted Bundy. So he was, he was very good at what he did. Um, so take that for what it's worth. Um, so this woman, I'll call her Stacy. Uh, she was very, very odd right from the get go. Well, I, no, I shouldn't say that. She was, she was very, um, very friendly at first. Seemed very nice, very bubbly, very outgoing. And I'll say, you know, I liked her at first. She was just, you know, kind of outgoing and all of that. Um, but she did manage to get herself fired. And again, these are good people. These are very nice people who want to do not only good for homeless people, but they're just good people. And they ended up firing her. So I'll just run through. Uh, here's how she managed to do this. Now, the first night she came out with us, and this should have been a big red flag. Um, we all went out to dinner. One of the guys who kind of coordinated on Wednesdays and Friday nights, I'll call him Larry. He was another volunteer. And great guy, still does it. He's he's a stalwart um, volunteer for Coalition for the Homeless. He somehow, I guess she mentioned it was her birthday. So we went to this restaurant. He had arranged for a little cake to be brought out. Well, as the night went on, Stacy started telling us about the failure of her third marriage. She was telling us about her tales of woe with her first two husbands. And she started crying. She started crying, and then the cake came out. So we all sat there singing happy birthday while Stacy was crying. Again, these are very nice people. They're very empathetic, sympathetic, and all. But, you know, this should have been a bit of a red flag, looking back on things as they turned out. Number two, um, there was this girl. I'll call her Carolyn. She was still in high school when she was volunteering with us, which is a lot more than I ever did in high school. Really nice girl. Uh, somehow Stacy got a hold of a picture of her and she posted it on a dating website, unbeknownst to Carolyn. And Carolyn really did not appreciate that. And, uh, you know, word got around that she had done that. And, you know, it just didn't sit well with people. It's like, what are you doing? I mean, she didn't ask you to do that. She doesn't want you to do that. Plus, the girl was still in high school. Like, come on, you know, have a little sense. Number three, um, another of the volunteers, his now call him Mike, he was a recovering addict. And he had had a very serious drug addiction and had landed him in prison a couple of times. And he was a real success story. Like, he, he, is, he owns a, a home on Long Island now. He's married. He's a counselor. Um, really good guy. And he was not shy about 
after a while telling you about his experiences. And in front of everyone, I don't think Mike was there. In fact, I'm, I'm sure he wasn't. But in front of everybody else, she said that Mike was going to relapse. It was just a matter of time. And, you know, his life was going to spiral back down into drug addiction. Again, this really did not sit well with people. And this is when she had started, you know, she'd gone from being very bubbly and friendly. This was over the course of some weeks that she was really becoming very strange like that, saying things like that. You know, you, you don't ever want to say that about somebody who is, you know, trying to recover. You don't want to ever wish them ill. I don't know what it was in, in her that thought that was an appropriate thing to say. But um, she said it. And again, we were all really rooting for Mike. Everyone was. And this did not go over well. Kind of, you know, on top of the crying at dinner and posting the picture. And, and there were other things, too, that, that she did and said that were really off-putting. Um, she started stalking everyone, including me. I'm not, this is not for my ego. She wasn't stalking me specifically. She, you know, we would exchange phone numbers. Everybody would, you know, to, uh, in case somebody couldn't make it to the volunteer work on a Friday or, you know, we would socialize sometimes outside of that. So I woke up one morning to 11 missed phone calls on my phone and probably about six or seven messages. She would call Larry at work constantly during the week. Uh, I was up in, back up in Massachusetts for a wedding. She was calling me, wondering when I was coming back to the city. She was doing this to other people. Um, so I, I'll have to put in the background that Stacy did not work. She had been fired from uh, some sort of creative project 10 years before we ever met her. She lived in a very expensive apartment in Chelsea in Manhattan, probably $2 million. And she was supported by her wealthy family in Chicago. She was 49 at this time, uh, about to be 50. So hadn't worked in 10 years. She sat home all day when she wasn't in therapy. Then she was telling us about a therapist. And um, so she had plenty of time to make phone calls to sit in her apartment and obsessively just keep calling people. And I'm sure this was not limited to um, Homeless Coalition, or uh, maybe she had burned all her other bridges. I don't know. She claimed she couldn't work because she was so traumatized by the violence she had witnessed in Chicago during the 1968 Democratic Convention. She actually said that, 1968. So this was like 30 years later. Um, she would get more and more insistent with her calls if the person didn't get back to her. It's just very unsettling. I don't know if you've ever been on the receiving end of this. And this was actually fairly minor, you know, considering some of the stories that are out there. But it's unsettling to have somebody kind of to be in their sort of tractor beam of crazy um, is really uh, not a comfortable feeling. So, finally, she, uh, there was a series of events that she, she was calling me to come help her bring some, something up to Homeless Coalition, to the church. I don't know what it was, and she was calling other people, and by this point, people had just kind of had enough, and she showed up, and she staged this big nervous breakdown, she was crying, and she left, you know. And after that, everybody was just kind of like, 
you know, nobody wanted to be in the van with her. Nobody wanted to interact with her. So it uh, fell to Larry to send her an email effectively firing her from her volunteer job. And then the letter or the uh, the email she wrote back, you know, if she could have written it in her own blood. Well, it wouldn't have been her own blood. She would have used red ink or something like that. Um, was She blamed it all on Larry. She blamed it all on us. We were not, you know, open-minded, kind people and were alienating her because of who she was, which was true. I guess that, that was pretty on the mark. My feeling after I thought about it was we were probably just another organization she had done this with. Like she, she's probably gone to different ones and pulled the same thing and, and stalked people and alienated them. And, you know, we, we, we all talked about this after a while. Like we we were probably just, you know, one organization maybe out of many that she had tried to, to do this with. I mean, at New York city, you have tons of volunteer organizations. So, uh, we probably weren't the first, nor were we probably the last. And it's funny how people can present themselves one way, and then after a while, the layers start to get peeled back, and you're like, oh my god, this person is certifiably insane. Although she wasn't insane, she was just a narcissist. You know, she knew full well what she was doing. I mean, she was crazy in that way, but she just relentlessly needed attention, and everything needed to revolve around her, and you know, it's like you live in a $2 million apartment. You don't work. Like, what? what's the problem here? You know, like, maybe go get a job or something or have... I mean, spending all this time doing nothing would put the zap on anybody's head. Like, even if you don't have a job, do something right or whatever it is. So, if you're ever feeling badly about yourself... And your job performance or the fact that you may have been let go, laid off, or fired from a job, just remember Stacy, because she got fired from a volunteer job. All right, everybody. Hope it help, helps. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back at you real soon. Thank you, everyone, for listening to this episode of The Working Experience. We'd like to thank our sponsors, One Circle Media and the Still Believe app the only app that delivers video proof of the Tooth Fairy and Santa by simply taking a picture. Download the app at stillbelieve.co today and amaze your kids. And if you work for a studio, network, startup, or corporation and are looking for a partner to create media that will build, engage, and entertain your audience, reach out to me at john at onecirclemedia.com. I would love to hear from you. And that's it. The end. The sweet end. Until our next audio encounter.